Welcome to the five things this week in social. Each week, we take all the ingredients of social media, throw them into a pot to create a meal that you will enjoy, or rather make you the smartest person at the dinner table. Today, we welcome back our friend and social media manager from Tank Worldwide, Natalie McGee. And we have our friend and gray data strategy director, Daniel Avon. Hi, Natalie. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Question for you. What is your favorite wintry soup? Wintry soup? You know what? I'm not too much of a soup person, I don't think. I know it's highly controversial. But if I had to say one, I mean, I love a good chicken noodle. Who doesn't? Right. It's a standard. It's a staple. Hello, Daniel. How are you, my friend? Doing all right. A little panicky at this question. I love soup. And my mind immediately goes to Italian wedding soup because it has all of the things that I love in one place. But to be trendy, I'll say lasagna soup. Though I've never had it, I can imagine what it tastes like. Lasagna soup, that is, I've, I haven't heard of this yet. So that sounds very intriguing to me, but maybe someday we could have a soup debate on the show between the two of you while you debate the pros and cons of soup. All right, I'm Joey Scurlo, and I would never turn down a matzo ball soup regardless of the weather. Okay, on the five things today, we start this week with a bit of a follow-up. Natalie tells us about the future of Shoppable, how Instagram and Pinterest differ. Then Daniel breaks down the drama at Twitter as a whistleblower reveals Musk and engineers have a God mode. Natalie keeps on Twitter as they unveil a verification tool for organizations. Then LinkedIn grows to 900 million users. And Daniel asks the question, could it be where all the professional conversation moves post Twitter? And finally, Natalie takes us home with Instagram updating its settings and introducing quiet mode. Little ASMR for all you listeners out there. All right, let's jump into it. Natalie, kick us off with the future of shoppable Instagram, Pinterest. What do they got going on? Yeah, so it looks like following some shifts in kind of executive leadership at Pinterest, it looks like we might be getting a little insight into what's next for the platform. It looks like they're going to expand their shoppability capabilities with a Pinterest spokesperson even being quoted in Glossy saying the platform is moving to make everything shoppable. Meanwhile, Instagram is also making moves on the shoppability front. Last week, Ari detailed kind of changes coming in to Instagram's shoppability function. If you haven't listened to last week's session yet, you should absolutely go check it out. And it seems like Instagram is kind of regrounding in its purpose of creating content and being a home for creators. Instagram will officially remove their shop tab and recenter their create button. The reels tab will replace where the shop tab currently sits in the center of the navigation bar. Pinterest is taking a big shift away from its roots and being this kind of idea platform. It's interesting as we take a look at how Instagram is taking a step back to its roots and being an idea-based platform. And it's somewhat in contrast to Pinterest's origin. Yeah, I think this is very interesting for Pinterest. And every time we talk about Pinterest on this show, we're usually celebrating what they do. Daniel, do you think that this feels like the natural evolution for a platform like Pinterest to go into everything shoppable? I do think it is to an extent. It depends on how heavy-handed they make this shoppability capability because Pinterest is really the place where people go to get inspired but collate a lot of information and ideas into one place. As an example, say that I want to redecorate my apartment. I have 20 couches in the collection of things that I'm considering or vibes that I want to go for. I'm not going to buy 20 of those couches, but it might be helpful for me to have the capability to buy one of them. So I'm curious to see how it manifests, but it makes sense and seems like the next evolution for that platform and is trending with, not to call back to our podcast at the end of the year, but is trending with this sort of move to shopability, commerce, 
through social platforms as opposed to having to go always directly or having multiple steps between inspiration and purchase. Natalie, do you recommend brands jump on the Pinterest train if they haven't yet? I think it's kind of interesting. Pinterest is kind of its own world, right? So brands living on Pinterest, it's different than how brands might exist on other social platforms. I think with this change in you know how they're prioritizing shoppability, it will be interesting to look at for consumer-based products. But yeah, it's absolutely something that if brands have not considered, they should consider. Well, good for Pinterest. I love this story. And I think this might be the first time we talked about Pinterest first. And I, I'm just so elated that we could. All right, now we're going to take a hard right turn into Twitter and talk about this huge story that broke recently about a Twitter whistleblower. Daniel, what does it mean to go God mode? What are we talking about here? Break it down for us. That is the million dollar question. What does it mean for 4,000 engineers to go God mode? More on that in a second. So in Twitter news this week, former employee and whistleblower has spoken with Congress and the FTC, so kind of touching all the bases, about an internal program at Twitter to which any engineer, not just engineers with specific access levels or anything like that, any engineer has access to called God Mode, as you said, which allows engineers to tweet from any account, delete and undelete tweets from any account. The latter two functionalities, in my opinion, are legit and make sense for content moderation. But as regards the engineering space, feels a little insane to have that sort of unilateral ability. The program is now oddly but aptly named privileged mode. It has only one failsafe other than just a quick functionality of true false within the logic that warns engineers, think before you do this. Security breaches have allowed bad actors to tweet from accounts that aren't their own on Twitter in the past. In 2020, there were teenage crypto scammers hacking Twitter centrally to tweet from Biden, Obama, and Musk's accounts, among others. And more recently, and on a more granular level, kind of an aside from what we're seeing from a God Mode perspective, Twitter accounts have been hacked the last year, year prior to promote PS5 links. You know, it's just some misinformation has been spread from given accounts on on the platform. And in light of all of these things, Twitter has said, you know, we're putting security protocols in place. We're doing internal investigations to make sure everything is up to code. But it's only after this was presented to Congress and the FTC that they've reopened the case about God mode. So it came about or was brought to light a little bit in 2020 with the crypto tweets, but nothing was changed. Nothing really happened. And now that they have reopened it, they found out can post from any Twitter account as an engineer, delete, undelete tweets. But what is even more concerning is that there's no tracking. So if I am an engineer, I go in and do this. They don't know who did it. They don't know where it's coming from. It's pretty unfortunate for Twitter and their already diminishing credibility and trustworthiness that we've seen, you know, kind of crumble over the past year, especially in light of some recent news that was announced this week of partnerships with Double Verify and IAS. It's a bit of a confusing pill to swallow because you have on the one end moving towards protecting brands and brand safety environments as they advertise on platform. And on the other end, security protocols on the back end just being kind of open and a little bit nerve-wracking for users. I'm hopeful that this visibility will light a fire to take security concerns for users and advertisers seriously. But if history repeats itself, we may have another whistleblower in a few years coming forward saying nothing changed. I'm hopeful. I would love to be disproven. Yeah, this sounds really scary, especially knowing that this has existed for so long. I mean, this probably explains why 
my tweets don't get a lot of likes. They're probably deleting the likes on my tweets. Let's just go with that theory. But Natalie, no, I'm curious, more seriously, do you think that this... I don't want to say the final nail in the coffin because it seems like Twitter just keeps coming back and coming back. But do you feel like this is going to be a really hard one for Twitter to get out of? I mean, yeah, like users are so concerned about privacy and the fact that they've been saying that they're going to, you know, they have these internal investigations and it's almost like, you know, a surprise when this happens. I think, you know, the fact that it was even called going God mode at one point kind of shows the degree of seriousness to which they, you know, kind of approach this breach in privacy. Something else we talked about last week, love a call back is Twitter's kind of plea to branding to branders and marketers to come back for like the Super Bowl matching ad spend. So I think they obviously need brands to be on their platform. But I think if they take this seriously, maybe there could be a turn. We'll see. I don't know. Speaking of advertisers and the upcoming Super Bowl, it will be interesting to see how much ad spend from this year to last year. So that'll definitely be something we should look out for after the Super Bowl. Okay, let's stay on this Twitter train. This is a little bit more positive. Twitter unveils a verification tool for organizations. Natalie, why don't you break this one down for us? Because this news came from Twitter itself. Yes, Joey, like you said, a little bit more tame than than going God mode or privilege mode here. But Twitter announced that it will be opening up the verification process for organizations. Twitter has invited businesses to sign up for verification for organizations, which will soon replace the current verification process for business users. Brands, organizations, businesses can apply now to get on the wait list. You apply by adding your business Twitter handle and then some contact details and business information. And again, this is another kind of chapter in the never-ending saga that has been Twitter over the past few months. Again, this is a little bit more tame, but I think it shows that Twitter's commitment to the kind of test-fail-learn approach that Elon has highlighted they will be taking as he takes over Twitter. And I also just wonder if this is kind of preemptive or in response to brands and organizations pulling advertising and media flights on Twitter. Like we just touched on and like was touched on last week, Twitter's planning on matching ad spend of up to 250000 And so I think it is another attempt at a poll to get brands back onto the platform. And at the end of the day, Daniel, do you think this will make things easier for brands on Twitter? Short answer, this particular update, no. I think we'll talk about in a story in a second about LinkedIn, but this seems to be really geared towards business communications within the realm of just like unpromoted businesses and their employees talking about things happening in the companies. They've seen probably a lot of traffic move away. They've seen a lot of traffic move away of all users, but possibly in particular of businesses talking about their updates and so forth, and maybe even going over to LinkedIn. So it seems like a plea to bring companies back, show that there's some sort of legitimacy in how those users are being indicated with the check marks. And I think I saw as well, like there's a little logo that goes by the name to indicate what company somebody works for. So it's nice and flashy, offers legitimacy, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough to bring users back and especially not enough to bring advertising dollars back. But those other programs that you're talking about, about match spends, especially in a recessionary period, that could potentially bring businesses back and be pretty enticing. Yeah. Tying back to what I said before, looking at the comparison between last year's ad spend on Twitter and this year's ad spend on Twitter, I almost would want to see that number without the match that we talked about last week, right? So that way it could be truly apples to apples. I'm wondering if by adding that match, if that is actually going to inflate the numbers. Data folks out there, Daniel, I don't know who you need to talk to about this, but we need to make sure that we get those numbers after the Super Bowl so we can see how Twitter is comparing year over year. Okay, now we're going to jump to something that I'm super excited about because in our 2023 predictions, I said this is going to be a big year for LinkedIn. I said it 
maybe only 25% joking, but here we are with a big story. Daniel, tell us about how LinkedIn has grown to over 900 million users. All right. And I'm hopeful, Joey, that you bought a lotto ticket or something shortly after you made that prediction because we've got some good news for LinkedIn through its parent company, Microsoft. So this is a report just released last week talking about 2022 versus the year prior. Based on their fiscals, it's being branded as 2023. All intents and purposes, this is a look back into 2022. So as of this reporting, 900 million users worldwide are using LinkedIn. That's almost 1 billion. I wrote down in my notes that I wanted to do a Dr. Evil voice. I'm not going to do that, but that's a lot of users all on LinkedIn and a lot of growth that they've seen over the course of the past few years. And this is not just US, not just local, quote unquote, focused. This is across 200 countries and regions. So they're really making growth happen globally and doing so by also growing users user sessions by 18% and revenue on the platform by 10%. The revenue, it's not all roses. A lot of that growth came from talent solutions recruitment component on platform, which is projected from Microsoft to slow down given a hiring slowdown. But even still, they have a lot of positive numbers in terms of scale that they see coming forward. But in the report, they also talked about engagement on the platform. So there is a 22% growth in feed update views from users than in the year prior, which is essentially they're just seeing more updates in their feed, i.e. spending more time scrolling through their feed. There's a 25% increase in public conversations on platforms. So happening outside of InMail, out in the public, and 10 times increase in newsletters. I'm sure we've all seen that in our networks on LinkedIn, that more newsletters have kind of come to the surface and people and brands are finding new ways to promote themselves and keep others updated on what's going on with them. Something not in LinkedIn's reporting, but has been reported, estimated by others, is that they have 310 million monthly active users or about 30% of their users are active monthly, which is a pretty big number considering that this historically has been more of just like a professional networking platform. Some people are speculating, as I mentioned in the previous story, that a lot of this momentum on LinkedIn is coming from the professional conversation, I guess, vacuum that has been left by Twitter. So people are leaving Twitter, going to LinkedIn to treat it much like they have treated Twitter in the past. I think for brands this and users alike, this offers kind of a threefold opportunity. Firstly, advertising on LinkedIn. They have established, not only do they have a big user base, but they also have a lot of engagement on platforms. So if you have doubters within your company that don't want you to advertise on LinkedIn, hopefully these numbers will dispel some of those fears or resistance. LinkedIn is also a great place for companies to attract new talent, not only from a recruitment standpoint, which we know is slowing down a little bit, but from a longer term perspective, you're investing in content that shows people that you are a great company to work for, that you have things purpose wise that people can become a part of. And it's not only good to attract talent, but it's also good to grow love with your existing staff and make them believe more in your mission. And lastly, and this is kind of the the bit of like the newsletters are increasing, more posts, all this type of stuff. It could become a little bit more crowded, but it is normalizing a little bit more for folks to use LinkedIn more informally than just job updates or saying that you have a job posting. I've seen people comment on Equinox's New Year's ad campaign and provide their hot takes. 
it's just becoming a little bit more open, the type of content that people can bring forward on the platform, which as you're trying to grow your voice, or if you have a grown voice in your professional life, it could be a really good space and opportunity for you to communicate that and engage in dialogue with people in and outside of your network. We love LinkedIn. At least I do. I can speak for myself. I mean, everything you said uh, was eye-opening. Some of it was surprising. Some of it wasn't. What I love about LinkedIn is just how the professional, like you said, the professional conversation that's happening there gives us an opportunity to do that without having, nobody's really going off and being negative the way they are on some of these other platforms like Facebook and Twitter. And unless, you know, you've got a fake account, you are who you say you are and everybody in your professional network will see the things you say. So maybe, you know, you're a little bit more reserved about some of the opinions that you put out there, but at least it creates a nice conversation. You also mentioned newsletters, Daniel, and I would be remiss not to point out that The Five Things is also a newsletter that you can find on LinkedIn as well. Natalie, I'm curious, you know, Daniel gave us a lot of stats and we heard a lot about the growth going on at LinkedIn. Are you surprised by any of this? As somebody who I'm assuming is on LinkedIn at least a little bit, are you surprised by any of what Daniel found for us? Just a little bit. I mean, I think we're all on LinkedIn now and we're kind of continuing to see this emotive content, whether that be humorous or sad or personal or happy content that people share on LinkedIn. And I think it's a continuation of breaking down kind of the walls in the professional world. It's further indicative of our shift in prioritizing people as human beings and people's mental health and, you know, being open and honest in the workplace. So all to say that, no, I think it makes sense that there's this continued growth on LinkedIn. Daniel, any final thoughts on LinkedIn? Final thought is that I'm just happy to see in line with what Natalie's saying about more transparency about who we are as people and so forth, that there is a little bit more diversity of content happening on LinkedIn. Because for a little while there, it was getting either self-righteous or like a little bit of an overshare and mixing in a little bit more lighthearted or less personal but personal opinion type things is making, I'm probably part of the statistic of the, the 20 some percent increase in post seen in feed, it just makes me more likely or more willing to kind of scroll through that feed and see what people are thinking and saying. Kudos to LinkedIn. All right, let's move on to our fifth and final update for the day. Natalie, tell us about Instagram updating its settings and introducing quiet mode. Yes, another update from Instagram. So Instagram is adding new tools and functions to better enable users to take breaks from the app. These new tools include a quiet mode, which will switch off all notifications, a quiet mode notifier that will be added to your profile status, and it will implement an auto response to DMs. This is interesting in terms of social networks becoming more aware of mental health and kind of taking some steps to maybe rectify or persevere in this world in which we prioritize our mental health and well-being. We've all been on TikTok, or at least I've been on TikTok, and I've seen the you've been scrolling for too long notifications. But I think this is a bigger push from Instagram to kind of continue to capture an audience that may be looking outside of social media or social platforms for entertainment in response to, again, this prioritization of mental health and well-being. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point. I remember back in, I want to say the fall of 2021, I think it was, Instagram was in some real hot water, especially with parents and especially as it related around mental health and the things that young people are seeing on the app. And so I feel like this has finally caught up to that pressure. Daniel, uh, do you think this is a good step for parents, for mental health, for Instagram users in general? I think it's a good start because this is a user-driven thing. You toggle to say that you're on quiet mode. 
But I do think there's more to be done in terms of the exactly what you're saying, Natalie, of like maybe you've been scrolling for too long or something like that. Some more things to help users moderate their usage and also help to preserve their mental health. That said, as a silent mode user on my phone, I'm hugely in favor of this because communicating to others that you're not responding just because you don't want to talk to them, but because you're doing something else or focusing on yourself is good. Communication in all its forms is a good thing. So I'm hopeful to see what this becomes and what other capabilities that they roll out in this vein. A few weeks ago in the show, we talked about on Instagram adding the your note, which we all joked and said felt like the AIM away message. This feels like the real away message. This feels like actually saying, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to put this up and pause on the app for a little bit. Well, that does it for us today, gang. That was a lot and super fun. So if you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, or just send us a thing you want us to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at grade.com. And of course, I want to thank our panel today, Natalie and Daniel. As always, thanks to Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. And finally, thank you, listener. Be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. I mean, I think we're all on LinkedIn now. We're on LinkedIn. We're all on LinkedIn now and we're continuing. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're all. (laughs) We're all linked out. (laughs) We're all linked out. Sorry, what's it called? Quiet Quiet mode. mode. Oh, yeah.